0: This one's a long one. Brace yourself here. Before we get deep into it with CP, remember Austin Abraham from New York Prime Beef episode 6? He called us and said, whatever you order off New NewYorkPrimeBeef.com will get 15% off at the checkout window. And that's killer savings on Wagyu, Dry Aged, and whatever else Nooms is always cooking in the kitchen. Use Fries15 at checkout on NewYorkPrimeBeef.com. Not enough time to make your own sexy cocktail garnish? You want to reproduce some of this stuff at home? Head over to cocktailgarnishco.com and use code FRIES15 to take 15% off your order as well. Garnish built by Bar Guys for your home and bar. That's FRIES15 at checkout on both cocktailgarnishco.com and newyorkprimebeef.com. We talk with Christian Petroni at the 18 and a half minute mark. But first, brace yourself.
1: We're still waiting on fries. They you don't get it? You don't what do you mean you don't get waiting on fries? Hopefully the customer never hears waiting on fries, but all this time on the entree and it's perfectly executed and then you're it's like ready fuck, to go. <laughs> I forgot to fire the fries. I just always use that when I forgot to put somebody's order in
0: and I was like, hey, I'm just waiting on the fries. It's gonna be two more minutes. Realistically
2: I come back ten minutes with the food. Exactly. <laughs> they just know that their food's not there in the service that they're still waiting on fries. I guess we're just waiting on fries. <laughs> Hey, so I heard you're doing some
0: FaceTiming recently, huh? Yeah, FaceTime, Zoom, webinars, what's the difference, you know? The kid's a star out here. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. That Instagram post is really going to your head, man. You're not a legend.
2: (laughs) Just keep it moving. You gotta work just like the rest of us. Oh,
0: listen, I got got hooked up over the weekend. Uh, Girl Liz, fantastic, thank you very much. Sent me in to do a little bit of a corporate holiday training thing uh, to some extent. It's really entertainment is what we should label this as, but... I was able to go in and do essentially a webinar and teach people how to make cocktails
2: and do people get to choose what cocktails they made or
0: no, or? that would be silly and dangerous because some people's cocktail knowledge levels are way higher than others. So you have to definitely like figure out some things that are super basic housewife. And, uh, I use that jokingly and <laughs> yeah, please. And anyway, we did mold wine because you guys hated on me so much about the mold wine that I was like,
1: I have to push this even harder now. I yep. saw that. I've actually been seeing you post about mold mold yeah. wine for the last two weeks, and this guy is really trying He's to drive, trying drive home a point here. Well, like, what do you do when you don't win
0: on black? You double down on black until you <laughs> hit, right?
1: I'm, I got to be honest, my wife is kind of buying into the whole mold wine. Seriously, thing. she said it sounded great. It's it's
0: winter. Listen, <laughs> it, when you're in your winter house, when you're in your house, and this is the time of the year. Just put some water in a pot, throw cinnamon in there, throw lemon in there, and just like let the aromas just go throughout the house. It smells so delicious. You know, this is wintertime for us. Uh, so mold wine is one of those things. Again, guys, as we said last time and you hated on me for it. Is there a Yankee candle flavor mold wine? Honestly, <laughs> there probably should be. <laughs> delicious. I'm pretty sure there is. So but yeah, you know, you're talking to a bunch of people that are corporate guys, they do corporate type work and You know, Liz hooked me up to be a source of entertainment alongside her as well in her separate room. And these Zoom rooms can hold about six people at one single time. So they must have had a little over like 100 people in attendance all at once. um, And everyone had to keep on rotating and moving. So what we saw was the original guys that started at that time frame, they all bum rushed the cocktail rooms because that's where guys want to hang out after work. They bum-rushed the rooms, and what I did was I started with the mold wine because it's a long process, takes about an hour if you just let it go slow. And I was doing this thing for two hours here, and sure enough, guys came in. They saw how things started with the mold wine, and then they wound up coming back in in like a half hour to check on it. How's the mold wine doing? I was like, eh, what's up? Welcome back, man. What, uh, yeah, this is where we're at with this thing. Check back in 20 minutes, and dudes would come back in again. It was actually really cool to structure it like that because people were missing some things and you'd have to reiterate some things and you have to keep in mind that when somebody just joins, almost like a commercial break where you're like, I just saw this part, why are they doing it again? Yeah. It's that reiteration thing that they're putting in for somebody that maybe just walked into the room at the drama click section of a TV show, you know what I mean? But uh, were there other rooms for them to like hop around in? So there were two floors and there must have been like 20 rooms on each floor. Crazy a lot. So what I'm really getting at. It's all on Zoom though. It wasn't Zoom. It was another webinar platform. Um, That kind of thing. Yeah, that kind of thing. So Virtual floors. Totally, virtual floors. So my thing is this, right? Bartenders are lost. There's still guys sitting on the couch all over New York City trying to figure things out. Be proactive. Don't be retroactive here. Figure out how to make a one sheet of something that's basic enough for somebody to grasp.
2: What is a one sheet for those of us who are
0: Uh, one, sheet's a source of information that cuts everything to the point. So in this case, this one sheet might just be the recipes that you need to follow, the ingredients that you need and the cocktails that you would make. And all I'm suggesting is maybe opening up LinkedIn, find guys that work for corporate companies that are larger enough, that have a budget and have enough employees where they're doing things on zoom and figure out who you have to talk to send a message. Who would I talk to about doing something and set up in a Zoom meeting? Companies have budgets. They're saving their money as they're not you know, having office spaces at this point. Um, they're saving costs in a lot of different areas where they now have spending in these other areas that we're in. So like, it's not far-fetched to say, pick up the phone, talk to somebody, figure out if you can get yourself in there and make a couple hundred bucks just showing dudes how to make cocktails, right? Like, There's enough corporate businesses out there uh, but this pivots, too, to the fact that we could be doing food cooking classes. Like, you've got restaurant access. Nooms, you claim you cook. And I, by I, claim, I mean, like, you do actually cook.
2: Yeah, you know, I know how to cook a little bit. We could we could do a little virtual cooking class in your kitchen sometime, Justin. And the qu- the question really is, though, Justin. We actually like, do kind of have the experience with the cooking classes. We've hosted live cooking classes before, so yeah. a virtual one should be right those, up our alley. And
1: those were actually, I mean, they were pretty cool, and people got a lot out of it. Yeah, they they were they were a good time. And if, if we had thought a little further into the future, we could have hooked up like a GoPro or something on those cooking classes oh, yeah. and then sold it later, but we were kind of just focused on the then yeah. and now. We just wanted to execute the actual yeah. class
2: at that point in time.
1: But in retrospect, it would have been a good idea. And yeah. that's like content we could have had later. Yeah. And if you're doing these things, and when we talk
0: about doing a food cooking class, like this, also you can apply monetary value to it where you charge maybe... 60 bucks a person or a computer to come in here and watch you guys in the back of the smokehouse kitchen and you could hook up with newham's just and say let's put together a little meal that has like a small early on course or you know an appetizer and then a main entree course that's easy enough for people to grasp at home that don't have all these superb cooking skills and they're not so confused by a menu that maybe has you know five different ingredients in it that you can. You still know what? Put now together. that we're
1: talking about, it, I'm actually getting frustrated that we didn't do that. Yeah, it's not too late. We're going back into no, the but winter. like we would have had it. We cat- would have had content. Kind of, we we would have had it like yeah. a catalog of we did we some created pretty, the content. We just didn't. Record yeah, we it. did some pretty cool stuff too, and I could just be sitting there. This was before like Instagram before everything. launched IGTV or stuff yeah. like that. You know, we could have easily loaded it into TikTok or IGTV and had a cool platform, or just like a thing to buy on the website yeah. i want to purchase this glass and whatever for like four dollars to make it really simple yeah, now so. i'm really i'm i'm getting as we're speaking <laughs> i'm more, becoming more and more frustrated that we didn't have the, yeah, foresight. But I mean, the thing was
2: at that time this wasn't a thing what we're talking about wasn't a thing like recording cooking classes for people to watch at home that wasn't
1: the thing uh you're right and it was kind of birthed out of the out of necessity, not birthed out of the the COVID pandemic, but it definitely you saw that right in March and yeah. April was, was one of the first of early pivots. Was you know we can um, we can we can bring the experience home. How can we bring the experience home? Yeah. It was easy to everybody switched to takeout. Mm-hmm. If you're a takeout centric place, that was easy, and you didn't really have to change much. But if you're a restaurant that thrives on half of the thing, half of the experience being the atmosphere and going there, how do you pivot into Making keeping that, keeping for that at atmosphere yeah. and it was like, well, well, we'll have a chef teach you how to do it and have like this whole night and you can make a whole night out of it. Yeah, This circles back into
0: multiple different things. On the last episode, we talked a little bit about Twitch. You could live stream from the back of the kitchen on Twitch with the camera hooked up where guys could just see things being cooked on, you know, the grill top or whatnot. And I think that's cool for a lot of guys to kind of experience and see. I There's- thought Twitch
1: was just video games.
0: Well, I mean, as time goes on, we'll talk more about Twitch, but let's not go too fully into that uh, again. So you could you could stream essentially anything on Twitch? It doesn't have to be a video yeah, game? Yeah, it's
2: not just video games. It's primarily video games, but you can do anything. Ah.
0: Guys are doing, like, workout plan things yeah. now. Subscribe to the Twitch, and then... Or whatever. Any streaming... Correct, Thank but right. if you subscribe, you get their workout plan, you get their meal thing, so they're like adding value to it. It's not just like it's not a terrible idea to that. have a live stream into the kitchen or behind the bar. No, it's, it's not. It, it's easy enough to do. Yeah, and you just have to have people sign off on waivers. I'm sure, like, hey, this is part of what you're doing. You're I mean, that watched.
1: created a lot of the um, I don't know the word I'm looking for. Some of the hype for a Shake Shack when it first opened, yeah, right? They had that live cam on the line outside of the of the. There were first, a couple nights when we were in at man. Atlanta, we set
2: up a camera um, right by the pass so you could see us plating and like watch the food go in and out. It's kind of fun. People like that sort of thing.
0: When we were just talking to Fabian uh, with the Latusian food truck too, one of the things we said was like develop that email list. And when you want to talk about doing something like a food cooking class, you guys have a smokehouse. And admittedly, you said on the last thing is like you don't really utilize it enough where you send things out through the constant contact. And to be able to take that and continue building on it and really getting the push for the emails that direct link to your clients or your customers that come in, you know, your guests, uh, you could just be airing this thing right to them and say your contact list is 5,000 people. You think 10 people won't pay 60 bucks to come watch you guys cook. What's the worst that could happen? You get 20 people like, we filled
2: yeah. up those cooking glasses both times. Yeah,
0: actually a lot faster than I thought we would. Yeah. And the thing is like and now the it's, people that were
2: in those classes weren't exactly our, key demographic but they were still there they paid the money and they enjoyed it
0: totally and now they're doing it from the safety of their home where they don't feel judged if they're watching a cooking class or partaking in the cooking class it's not something crazy to think about again i think that it's important to diversify the way that we're bringing in money into our restaurants period as we never know at what point we're gonna get shut down again and that's just an easy way to go do things uh come back into the cocktail classes into the zoom too like this is the first time recently that I've really seen corporate liquor brands promoting cocktail classes at no cost. Where it's just sign up and we're gonna put this on and show you. Maybe they're pre recorded, who knows? You know, you never know. Technology makes things really easy to do. But regardless, like Bacardi, for instance, is out here doing these classes and they wanna get guys in here and get them excited again. I mean liquor sales aren't going down just cuz restaurants aren't operating. Liquor sales
1: is going up more than ever. Yeah, people, people are aren't stocking drinking at home. Well, you have to split that demographic. They're going down on the on the retail side. Mm-hmm. Well, well, they're going the up on the on premise the retail. side. Yeah, yeah. But uh, on the retail side they're uh, they're going up. So
0: yeah, and I mean this is a conversation I just had with a young lady that worked for Jameson the other day too and she worked on the marketing for stores and I was like, Well, you're in a good position because people are still shopping for liquor. It's not stopping. Another stimulus check. They're buying a couple more bottles to throw in the cabinet, right? Buying cases, not a couple Yeah, of Exactly. And sure enough, I was like, Well, what's gonna happen with all like the activation spending that happens in our restaurants? Like, does that get rolled over into the next year where we see tremendous spends coming down the street? Like we don't know what'll happen. But the money should be there, hypothetically, right? And I these are just different ways to pivot and Take advantage of those email lists, you know. Like we said in the last episode with the Twitch, why not try something new and getting ahead of the trends and ahead of the curves? I mean, Nooms, you're a fucking chef. I would pay to sit there and watch you cook some stuff and teach me how to do things because you yell at me for my knife set as it is. Yeah, how much would you pay me? <laughs> I got twenty. But
1: well, you posted you posted some of that uh, Thanksgiving, uh, some of your Thanksgiving yeah. uh, stuff on the on the Waiting on Fries Instagram page. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> that one. We got a couple of responses to the... Um, yeah, actually. I, I'm
2: planning to make some more roulettes for Christmas because a couple of people were asking for them. But yeah, yeah we'll, we'll put together a little roulette class. So a couple of people are like, oh, that
1: plate looks perfect.
0: <laughs> I, I think that these things are doable. And at, at the end of the day, start it now, start it last year. Don't wait another second. You know, I, I mean, think about things. This podcast is huge already, as it is. What if we started this thing a year ago, the two number years one, ago?
2: Uh, restaurant industry podcast. On oh, Facebook. you're mocking you're mocking yeah, my yeah. advertising <laughs>
1: skills. <laughs> in a specific demographic. Yeah, in a specific. But yeah, but, no, we'll, we'll do a little. What do you think about the same way? I think the cooking, live cooking demos and stuff really lends itself, but there's some time to that where there's actually, you know, it takes a little time to cook something or prep something. But what, I definitely haven't seen any. like bartending ones or like how to make a home cocktail i've seen some here's what you need and here's how you build it like recipe cards right but
2: no actual straight up instructional videos on how to build a cocktail at home
1: i just feel like it's a little quicker Uh, it's definitely a lot quicker the build out for a drink is even a difficult one is like a minute yeah you know so it's you have to put a lot of a lot of charisma and stuff behind the you know making them Five to ten minute video about yeah. a certain cocktail, or maybe just tell some history about the spirits used or where the drink came from, and add a little fluff. But,
2: but even still, I think that's probably better for nowadays audience. Like people don't have a attention span to watch, you know, like a sixteen minute video on how to make a cocktail or a sixteen minute video on how to build a dish. You yeah. have to really make it interesting. So a two or three minute video on how to make a cocktail kind of well, just makes what sense. What we need
1: is a chopped style show
0: about bartending. Hold off uh, slow down let's not let's not uh, push too far too fast when you're talking about these things it's too though shaking. <laughs> when you're talking about these things like my YouTube is completely infiltrated with like basic bar dudes with I don't know, 500,000 views or something onto their, how to make this, how to make that. And it's ridiculous because to me, they're very simple drinks that are being brought up and being funneled right into my YouTube. But the problem is, because they have such a beautiful recording layout and the quote unquote bar that they've created in home, and it's so bright and vibrant, I click it every time. It just looks good. Just because it's pleasurable to just like watch their background that they have set up. And you know, with this thing that we just did too with the Zoom class, I converted the entire kitchen. I took every single thing off of the countertop and I replaced it with my entire like bar portfolio of things and it made it feel homely and we had the Christmas lights going all on, all around to add these colors in. So like, I can't stop clicking this guy that's just making a regular Moscow mule and, and my, just girlfriend's, the environment's so nice. yeah, my girlfriend's like, why are all these up here? Stop watching them.
2: And I'm like, can't stop clicking. Do you this do you find that some, with some of those videos, people will make something really simple, but they'll showcase really bad techniques sometimes? Like really simple things. And you're like, why are you doing it that way? Why are you showing people how to do it that way? I mean, uh,
0: possibly. Yeah, possibly. And, you know, in the last episode, uh, we talked with Gio at Maria's too. And I had the discussion with him when I went in there to do a guest spot last week uh, about the cocktail list because he just sent it across. I didn't necessarily have any of the actual recipes. I just just had the ingredients. So I had to just figure out, you know, what amounts are what amounts and typically they all follow the same ish formula. mm -hmm. And there was one cocktail on there, which I had to look over at Kate and I said, Kate, how much blue carousel you think is in this thing? And do you think it's served in a martini, or you think it's served in a Collins glass here? Oh, uh, the uh, Hey Maria? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. I had it's no martini. idea at that point, <laughs> and sure enough, I discussed that with them, and I was like, listen, recipes are generally all the same as far as the amount of ingredient that goes into each drink. However, the execution could be drastically different every time. Yep. So when you say, you know, is there flawed execution in some of them? Yeah, I'm sure some of them out there have some type of flawed execution. But in general, there's so many different ways to eat a Reese's that, like, you can't really critique. You might just say with the trends, I'd do this one a little bit differently. Uh, the young lady was yelling at me about my use, usage of the coupe glass to put out an espresso martini instead of using a traditional martini stemmed glass. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, no, 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 times are changing. Like, don't be stuck in 2004. Like, look at this beautiful, rounded bottom rim. Like... When you get that, that's sex. You just paid 15 bucks for a fantastic cocktail. Uh, but again, Nooms, like we just said in the beginning of this episode here, is when you're, when I'm getting clickbaited, and the only thing that's showing up are super basic cocktails, It's so people at home could follow these things. Yeah. You know, this isn't an episode or a YouTube video on how to do the proper infusions or whatnot. No, it's not a video
2: catered to someone like you. Totally.
0: and Well, those YouTube accounts will only have like 50,000 views instead of getting to the masses, right? Talk about numbers on this podcast. We're never going to have a million unique listeners. Never say never. No, it would be a rare (laughs) case because we're very business focused. So we have an extremely big niche market with the people that listen to this you guys are diehard restaurant guys your owners your people that potentially want to own your bartenders that have been in this like you care about this industry and how to grow your business period as it is but like again the thing with the zoom meetings are people that'll follow along maybe they don't really care too much what's going on they just
2: find it interesting and they'll watch you know anyway let's move on we got christian petroni in the building today Ah, Food Network star.
3: Hi, hey, how are you? Bigger well than gone. life personality. Gigantic.
0: <laughs> Fortina, creator and visionary of restaurant. ness
3: That's me. You, can, you know, before we even get into this, I want to just remind you guys that the only person you are destined to become is the person you decide to be.
2: That was so deep. Like, I didn't yeah.
3: Yeah, no, I, it's, uh, yeah, it's it's actually it's a it's a frame here on the wall. <laughs> I was like, that's deep. It just, I just, you know, it just really sang to me when I saw. It. There's a there's a lot of podcasts. that are like, w-
0: when you come on, uh, we want you to start with like a mantra. What's your mantra today?
3: And just like, put one up on the wall. That bro, was it for just somebody to read. Really, I heard you change it out every every guest. Is that true?
0: You know, like. Talk, talk about being just this, this bigger-than-life personality that you kind of have and just kind of going away from the flow of what the average Joe is doing always, right? Like, it's, it, it makes things easy to stand out, but, like, that comes from somewhere. And you're, like, a, a Bronx-born boy. Like, you had family meals all over the place, as many Italian families do, right? Like, you, you've seen food spreads on the table, food spreads that dudes can't even imagine about.
3: Oh, my God. It's That's the crazy thing, right? Is that when you grow up around it, it's all normal until you come to this crazy moment in your life when you can actually say, holy shit, that is incredible. I've been doing this my whole life. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) And then you start bragging about it to your friends. Yeah, you know, I did the seven fishes every, you know, Christmas Eve and... And you know we, I talk about it all the time. Uh, every summer, once I once I was wrapped up with summer school, the whole family, except for my father, would um, we'd all me and my mother and my brothers would go to uh, Ponza, the little island off the coast of Naples that my mother and my father were from. And um, you know we'd spend pretty much the rest of the summer there, and being exposed to all that food. And uh, Like the day uh, What is it August 10th La Festa de la Madonna On the island of Ponzo is a big feast day And they put a big table Outside in our courtyard Where my grandparents And my uncles And my aunts All live in the same sort of Kind of cluster On the side of this hill In an area of Ponzo Called Cala Right And we have Essentially a fucking feast <laughs> it's like it's a big day right you there's talk lots, about you big cooking. table
0: big table how big is this table how many people sit at this table i'm trying oh, to get like oh, the there's,
3: there's, yeah no because you know then you got you got the kids coming with their kids nowadays so you know there's 20 people at this table bro table? Thing, right and it's overlooking uh what is this it? the terrainian sea right um and there's a little island called palmarola off in the background it's a little uninhabited island one of the most beautiful in the world you're just
2: painting this like beautiful tableau for us right now dude and it was all (laughs) normal
3: until like honestly probably till i went back to that island with my wife when we got married and I can actually send you these pictures, and you should definitely show them if you can. It was like they cooked for me and my wife, and I can get emotional right now. <laughs> and I am. Um, there's a picture of my Uncle Louie. And that's the picture that you see in the 14 right? right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy smoking the cigarette with his shirt off. And uh, I'm looking at, for my pictures right now from poems I can pass around. When you,
0: when you talk about you know, growing up and seeing these things, and you would travel every summer over to Italy and see things. This is like, I'm partially Moroccan on my father's side, so we would go to Morocco growing up over the summertime. And the things that you describe about these big family tables, and it's something that we don't really have, I feel like, as much here culturally in the U.S., where everyone's kind of just gathering, sitting at the tables, spreading the love of food left and right. And, you know, one of the things that we always went over... My mother would start checking the tablecloths when we go to Morocco, and we'd be having dinner, and she'd count the tablecloths. And my first interaction was like, "Ma, why are you always counting the tablecloths?" She's like, "So I could judge how much I have to eat because each tablecloth is a course." <laughs> so like you would Whoa. pace yourself appropriately. Oh, we do that. So like it, it was a crazy thing because you'd know how big this meal and spread is going to be like, right? Oh my god! Yeah,
3: smart. A little sh- foreshadowing. So that's. <laughs> That's in the cantina, which is where they used to keep the rabbits. It's 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 kinda of chipped into the into the pumice stone. It's a volcanic island. And in that picture is uh my wife Sherry and Uncle Louie. Um that was the last time we ever got to hang with him. He passed after that. And he was uh his thing, you know, is uh catching these calamari and these calamari that are caught off of this island, off the coast of Naples are like They're like thick as ribeyes, dude. They're beautiful. Oh my God. They are so beautiful. They're coveted. The Ponzese Americans in this country essentially use that frozen calamari as currency. (laughs) And there's disrespect by, you know, if you go over and they're like, they even take the calamari, they even bring out a calamari for dinner. Like you didn't bring out a calamari for my family. That means that means you're not worthy. You're not worthy. You're not right? worthy. It's a waste of calamari, <laughs> right? So Uncle Louie, you'll see in those pictures, he's in the cantina with a it looks like a wok, like a big like pot a pot burner, and he's frying the squid, and that whole cave has got that smell of like the like the mildew and the moss and some rabbit shit. And, like, the hot oil and the flour that's toasting and caramelizing on that calamari is just absolute perfection. And what's a good trick that people don't realize is If when you when you catch fresh calamari and um, you clean it and you freeze it once, when you defrost it, it's just, it's actually even more tender and, and, and even better. So... Yeah. Um, that squid is just you know you could cry. And then another dish that uh, Uncle Louis' wife, Gisella, the angel, Saint Gisella. Whenever we would get to the house, it's a long travel, right? To leave the Bronx, get on a plane. From the plane, you go to Fiumicino, Rome. Rome, three-hour taxi ride to somewhere in Naples, and then a long boat ride to the island, right? Unless you can catch the fast boat. And you'd get there, and then you'd get to the island, and then you're schlepping your luggage across that tiny island in, like, you know, a trejigola, which is, like, those little, like, pickup truck go-kart things, you know? And, like, then you get to the hill where the house is, and you got, like, a walk up a hill with, with all of your luggage and all the pancake mix and, 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 and fucking syrup that you could carry because that's like gold in Italy, right? No, no bullshit, right? And you're getting it up this hill, and I swear to God, it's, you are so... It's a true pilgrimage, right? To go home to where, my, where my, my parents were raised, right? It really is, and it's work. And then you get into the, the main cantina, right? Which is the main kitchen that has this beautiful old green door got to be fuck 200 years old my god and that's the little kitchen where the it's the center of the whole kind of compound you know and gisella takes the calamari she cuts it into rings and she simmers it in her tomato sauce for god knows how long a long time <laughs> the fuck bro I'm in the middle of the fucking story <laughs> She simmers the squid and the tomato sauce till it's just so tender, and you can set your watch to it. That's the. Then it's got some chili; it's a little spicy, and she makes a plate of spaghetti with this braised calamari. the The hairs are going up in the back of my head. <laughs> that sounds so delicious. Thinking about it, we did that dish in the early days. In the early days,
0: those. Those are the effects, though, that early on that you just remember, like, just all through growing up, that you wind up carrying the rest of your life through you. And it's funny that you said that green door. You know, when we talked to Paul in the other episode with the Pax Romana episode, the door on the front of Pax Romana is awesome. He just restored this crazy, like, old-style door he found. And as, as stupid and simple as it is, it's just visually, just, it stands out. And something that you remember. And, you know, the fact that we don't have those feelings here growing up in the U.S. as opposed to going outside and traveling. And like you said, you're talking about going to a town or a village that's so far to get to where it takes you three hours of a drive just off one plane to get to another boat. Those disconnected areas are, I think, what preserves the most culture.
3: Yeah, but you can create that, right? I, 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 I... Recreate. No, I, I want to create my own, right? I want, I want my kids, like, when I, when I, you know, I hope to, in the next few years, be able to build a home for my family, right? Am I going to go to Home Depot and pick out a door for my front door? <laughs> no. No. I know, I, I know what I want. Yeah. And, and it it's needs to tell a story, right? The, the silliest thing, right? The silliest thing. This is too big, Right. This is my wallet. It's, it's, it's too big because I got this thing now, and I love it. So I'm going to get, I have a smaller version of this that I'm going to use, right? Yeah. This is a colorful, really cool, fun, limited, like, Gucci wallet that my wife got me, right? You got the big one, like a big billfold, and then there's a small one. So I tell my wife, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to use the small one. You know, the big one, it's, it's too big, you know? And she's like, oh, yeah, let's fucking, let's get rid of it, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Let's see if somebody wants to, you know, one of our sisters wants to maybe snatch it up or something. And I'm like, well, what what if, imagine, like, Briar or Bo in, like, 20 years, <laughs> like, 30 years, like, rummaging through, like uh, like, a box and, like, finding that dope-ass rainbow-colored printed <laughs> Gucci wallet. I go, baby, how come we never found shit like that? Go. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, no, that's the, this all stays with us. Yeah. This all, and, and what's the point of that? What's that door that I'm talking about in my and in the house that we may create one day? You gotta, not everything is gonna be sentimental. You know, you can't go in with that mindset, right? But you need to create, because, yeah, you're talking about a country that, you know, Italy, anywhere outside of America, that have thousands of years on us, right? So I see that as an opportunity to plant our flags now for our families at the very least, right? If we can leave an imprint bigger than our families, that's really great. But as long as, you know, the imprint is left on my kids, that's all I care about. Anything else outside of that is gravy. So the door, what's our door, right? What These stupid Crocs I have on, <laughs> like maybe Bo and fucking... When he's, you know, 22 years old, he's going to be like, yo, dad, where's that box of limited Crocs you got? I want it. It's funny what you're saying, though. And
0: as uh, somebody that has figured out going to estate sales, right? People die. They have estate sales. They got to get rid of everything in the house. The kids don't give a shit about anything in the house. They just let it go. I have a whole collection downstairs of first edition books from 1950 and earlier. We got People in our, people in our generation don't give a shit about books. They don't know where to store them. They don't have bookshelves. They don't care. One of my girlfriends said, "Why do we have all these books up here? You read them already. Can we get rid of them?" And I just looked at her like she just committed a cardinal sin when she said that to me. But the thing is, like what you're saying is not hoarding, but holding on to these things for so long. Where yeah, they have impact for you at that that point, you know. Are your kids then going to look at it down the line and be like? nah, this shit is out with the old. Like, I don't want it anymore. Or do you teach them that, hey, some things will come full circle?
3: You gotta teach them that, that A, you gotta teach them that, like, things can be sentimental, right? Whether they have value or not, like, you need to respect. Appreciate. And appreciate. Oh, God, dude. (laughs) (laughs) These kids are gonna appreciate, right? It's like, what do you do? Like, when it's time for Bo to, like, go to his first Yankee game, right, or his first, like, you know, something like that, like, do I make the phone call that's going to get the crazy freaking treatment that, that is going to be just completely unrealistic for 99.9 thousand percent of the kids in America?
0: Or you get the bleacher seats. Or you get you the bleachers. Yeah. Well, I don't
3: think my father ever paid for a Yankee ticket in his life, and we never had good seats, and that was fine because even when we had seats that were a little less shitty, we were like, oh, my God, did you see yeah. how good the seats are? More foul balls come in this. And no matter where we sat, my dad was like, oh, yeah, this is where the foul balls come.
1: <laughs> I, don't you, I don't think you remember the seat anyway. You remember, you remember the experience. The experience. Yeah. So I remember going yeah. to a bunch of baseball games with my dad. I can't tell you where we
3: sat. But it, it, dude, so like that's what you need to make sure that they have a realistic view, right? And they appreciate everything that's going on and you want, you know, it it's it's a it's a crazy line, right? It's a crazy type of type you guys have kids? Anybody I got
1: yet? yeah, I do. That's I got seven. two two boys. Yeah, yeah, dude. How old? <laughs> so, seven and four. Wow. Yeah. So I'm getting run around a little bit, but it's fun.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We you know we're one and three right now. We,
1: just, we got the Peloton bike recently, and my son's always like, "Why are you on this bike every day?" I was like, "I gotta <laughs> keep up to with keep you too." Yeah.
3: <laughs> oh, I'm stressed out because I got that that PS, PS the new PS. Yeah, yeah. I can't play it, you know, <laughs> because literally, if that thing turns on, it's like, "What's this? I gonna be a part of this." Yep. Is this mine? <laughs> and, you know, so it's just like, it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's so much fun. And as long as you can accept that it's not about you and, 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 yeah. and uh, I like, I'm okay with it.
1: They're, get, they're getting their first uh, video game system for Christmas. They don't oh, listen. Yeah. They don't listen. So I can spoil the. What are you going to PS5? Uh, I got them the original Nintendo. There you go. Nice. go back. So <laughs> like you're going to start old school just like we did. And you can grow from Mario that. Mario and Duck Hunt and all that. Yeah, Mario and the whole thing. I was That's telling my you. not duck hunt because I don't want them to get the wrong ideas about the ducks. Because we have ducks, <laughs> I have ducks in my backyard, so I'm not gonna have yeah. duck hunt. They're gonna fair enough, fair enough,
3: I loved my ducks. That's a whole <laughs> other story. Uh, I was telling Sherry, um, the first time I got a gaming system it was a very big deal, and I can remember that feeling sitting here right now. I remember. Oh my god <laughs> i remember the lighting <laughs> at toys r us i remember the way the aisle looked i remember the trussing on, of like the aluminum ceiling i remember everything and so the the genesis came out for the love of me i can't remember what game it was that came with it but It was the one where you were like essentially sonic no you ah, were sonic. i don't want to say it wasn't street fighter but you were a street fighter and you streets were streets of rage yeah probably Maybe. streets of rage Damn you! That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I, I, I
0: play some games. Come see me in the war zone, <laughs> dude. I, I'm so excited. That, like Call of Duty is downloading as we speak. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. We <laughs> might have to formulate a squad, and we've been talking to just about putting some Twitch things together in the restaurant
3: and getting ahead of the streaming zone. So well, like, teach me, because I don't know anything about anything, and I'm excited, and I'm super bummed because what's today? Sunday. Yeah. yeah. Tomorrow I leave for <laughs> L.A. for a little while, and I'm like. I already promised my nephews they can they can play with the Xbox. I mean the uh let's see which let's tells how much I know, play with the PlayStation Same while right. I'm gone and now I'm like, shit man, do I just throw that in a bag? <laughs> <laughs> Bring it with me. <laughs> no 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 no, it's, it, uh, no, no, we can't do that. But um, you know, it's it's just it's uh it's funny, but yeah, that that'd be dope. Yeah, I'd love for you guys to teach me.
0: I yeah, I got like fifty five wins in the war zone. Come see me in the streets. Oh my god. <laughs> uh Anyway though, it, listen, all of these things that you learned growing up and all of the the thoughts, the things you've seen, this the aromas and the culture that was instilled on you, you know, you guys put something crazy together. And we just talked to John uh, recently on another episode about putting oh, together. No, what? Yeah, the spoke idea. To yeah, yeah, we said we <laughs> oh, talked to no, John? Yeah, we a, talked to him. He's a cool guy. Yeah, he had some things to say. I like but, John. Uh, do nah, but you know, talk to me about putting together the idea of Fortina. Like I've definitely read that you guys were held up together pretty much for some time, just seeking out that funding of getting this thing done and getting it accomplished and like you guys built a fucking crazy brand.
3: Yeah. Oh man, what a what an honor. Thank you. Uh it was a I mean, John meeting John Nealon you know, was one of one of the more serendipitous things that happened to me in my life, right? John John Neyland taught me a lot about about you know, when I when I met John is when I started with Barcelona and at that point I really didn't know much about the proper way to run a restaurant. I knew the soul. I knew how to, you know, the basics of what I guess I turned out to be good at, but like food costs, scheduling, I don't know, none of that stuff. So John was my teacher from the very, very beginning. So I've you know and then John turned into that Person that became one of the only people that can like talk me down right uh, through all the trials and tribulations of our lives. Um, he was till this till this day. Thankfully, again because it it did go away for a little bit. Um, I'm able to call John and be like, eh, eh. "Dude, A B C D E F fucking G. <laughs> what do, what do you think? What do I do?" And like. Oh, man, he's so, he's so confident, and um, he's, you know, just much to my chagrin, one of the, (laughs) no, I'm kidding, John, but uh, he's one of the few people in this world that can really sort of make me understand things sometimes, you know, I'm the kind of person that needs to talk out loud as well, I need to hear an idea, I need to talk, I need to say stupid stuff, and. Stupid ideas until you know a you know a good one. You know I need to hear it. I need to hear it. You know because everything sounds good in my head. It's a problem. <laughs> right.
0: Like, that's a, how you find ideal partners too, though, where somebody understands the shit that you go through and how you talk and how to kind of bring things back or dial them back or push them forward. No.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. John. John would John's know when guy. to push me or when to. Yeah. So it's you know miss that, but I'm happy. Just I'm happy that he's in my life, and I love to see. His brand just like, wow, really cool what he's created over there. Very, very proud.
0: When we spoke to John, he used the word concept a lot when we talked about restaurants. And I think that's one of the words that restaurateurs use versus guys that open up restaurants. And uh, the idea of a concept is, uh, to me at least, it feels like it's something that you can build, multiply, and scale which when you talk about restaurants, some guys' goals are to scale something into a national chain. Like, look at Bar Taco, how that's grown over the years. Like, that's a concept. Fortina's a concept. Uh, Chipotle is a concept that can just be duplicated, no problem. And there's a, I, I think there's a huge difference, though, between some things that aren't multipliable. And, you know, you guys set up the idea for Fortina that I don't know if maybe it was something that just took off, and you were in the right place at the right time kind of deal?
3: No, we wanted Or if like,
0: we- you planned this to be like, yo, listen, this is what we're going to use. Steels, woods, uh, we're going to flip over the tomato casings to use as the thing that props up the pizza on the tray. That way
3: we. Can that was spray. just out of frustration. I hated the pizza trays. I, <laughs> interesting. I thought those were so innovative. No, huh? you know, I just want to get that off the table real quick. It's not even an interesting story. I just like, hated the pizza stands. But yeah, no, you know what? And, and to your point, I didn't cut you off. Nah. To your point, what have I learned in the past eight, nine years and more in the past six months, even year, right? What have I learned is that you can't, you shouldn't. I wanna say you can't because you know what? You, know, you can't use that word, <laughs> right? But you really, at least for me, and I think way too many people, Go out there to be like Oh I can have a thousand of these Oh I can hit Every neighborhood from ABC to FYG oh, this I can do this and we can spend this And we can get to this many stores And make a private equity deal And pff, Yo we're chilling in like six years Eight years boom right Take a step back and look At 90 Fucking 9% of the people that are Unfortunately, really hurting right now. And it's the people that built their 10th store before they figured out their first. The very smart man taught me that, right? Yep. Yeah. Anything I do right now, I promise everybody, you're not going to hear, oh, Christian's opening 500 gabagool.coms <laughs> around, you know, fucking the tri-state area in, in America. No. I'm just figuring it out myself right now. But I can tell you, whatever it is, it's not with the idea of doing more than one of them.
1: That was, uh, you said that because you referenced Barcelona. It was Mike and myself got the opportunity to talk to Andy Forsheimer, who was involved there. Not for any, just, just as like a console, kind of right after, right after they sold right after they sold Bar Taco. He was nice enough to, uh, actually Rocco, who we had on the show, was the construction manager. I love Rocco. Crew? He's one of the guys I grew up with, too. Oh, no shit. Yeah, yeah, Rocco's yeah.
3: a sweetheart. I just want to hug Rocco when I see him. He's <laughs> so very huggable. Yeah. Little outfits. He's so cute. He's so well put together. I love him. So well, tidy. An he's like like meet- only met him yeah. once, but that
1: works.
2: He's
3: <laughs> like a tidy little package of <laughs> happiness. I love Rocco. That's,
1: I'm going to call him a to tidy Rocco. little package of, Tell of happiness. Him,
3: happiness he, yeah, he'll know. He, he, I really, he's been so good to me, and like... There's been so many potential things throughout the years, and Rocco's always, 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 always been there to guide me yeah. and has never benefited once yet. So I'm um, I'm still trying, Rocco. We're <laughs> going to make this happen. You're going to so. benefit from our friendship at some point.
0: Talking to Rocco was interesting, too, yeah. because you know, just Genius. going into yeah. the fact of the way restaurants are laid out, why they're laid out, how you look at the flow of things, and... How you fortify your brand doing various things like what were you saying the meat counter essentially like walking in and seeing that and instantly you go oh i have to have that it's there um like roadhouse does they have a steak counter in the front or something and people walk in they go oh there's all the fresh steak i'm about to eat right now so
1: like that's what i'm gonna get marketing
3: one-on-one right yeah
1: Yeah. so uh, those are Uh, things you learn over time so anyway rocco put us in touch with andy because he knew andy and he was nice enough to Talk to us a little bit about our next step. He loves it, to teach, man. Yeah, and it was insightful because the one thing that he said, we were talking at that point, you know, we're rebuilding our first location now. We were in our second location, and we were starting to talk about could we do a third location or what's the next step. And one of the things that he said to us was, "Are you the are you the busiest restaurant in your neighborhood? Like, are you that are you that restaurant?" And we were like, "Well, oh, we're are like top top five or something like that." And he just said, "You got to dominate your." Your area first, and then once you're that, then you can think about number two and number three. But make sure you're the you're the guy in the neighborhood first, and then you can work on number two. Because if number one's not solid, number two's not gonna have the legs. And we we kind of scaled back our plans after that conversation. Like, you know what? He's right. We gotta,
2: it's we gotta very basic good advice that you yeah. probably wouldn't have thought of on your own.
3: It's funny, it's funny because I don't. I, 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 you guys have no reason to know my relationship with. With Andy, which is he's been a mentor of mine forever. Please don't tell us now, then. (laughs) Uh, um, And what I said two minutes ago about, you know, concentrating on what you're doing at hand. You know, people are building their 10th restaurant. It's a million percent. I've learned that from Andy Forzheimer. So the fact that that's the name that popped into your head after saying that. Actually, it fucking scares me a little bit. <laughs> it means I'm starting to sound like him. Um, I gotta send this to him. He'll laugh. Um, yeah, but it's true. So you know, but you learn, right, guys? That's unfortunately, um, you're getting lumps in. Is is all part of the game, and you know, and getting them in and getting out of it at the right time. Unfortunately, there's a little bit of luck involved, a little bit of timing. Some people just get the shit end of the stick. I know plenty of talented people that just, could never, just can't, could never get it together.
0: At your time, though, putting together Fortina, and guys are listening to this from all over the U.S., not just here in New York. And, mm-hmm. and India. Fortina, and that one, India, guy in and one guy in China. And the one guy in China. Who's this? Just statistics. <laughs> oh, yeah. we, have a, we have a following in India and uh, one single guy in China. But um, people don't know the Fortina brand. Put together, paint this sexy picture illustriously as you just painted the small town off the coast mm-hmm. in the island. I mean, you, you call it a red sauce joint, as John said, right? Where it's this mishmash of a bunch of different things that aren't necessarily just, like, pizza shop. But you could go in there and you could get roasted vegetables. That You know, it the first thing. You also get
2: the best damn chicken parm ever. Yeah,
3: well... Be, like, arguable, but slow down. Shut up. I respect that. You know, I I prefer traditional chicken parm as well. Um, It's funny that you say that, and that's a compliment, right? Because we talked about the summers in Italy, right? And then, so that's your roasted vegetables. That's your roasted chicken. That's your pasta and patate. That's your pasta chuto. That's your... Fried artichokes, right? Um, that's your olives. That's your grilled freaking octopus. That's ponza, Right? That's that's my summers in Italy. Um, and then there's the stuff that my mother would make at home, right? The meatball frying in the in the in the cast iron pan, the olive oil, like you know, like just like just sizzling just right and the smell of the meatballs that everyone's heard on that answering machine. At 14 and for all these years, the smell of the meatballs frying in the pan that would go out of the kitchen, through the living room, up through the dining room, to the stairs, up the stairs, around the corner, under the door, through the blanket, and into my nose. And then we'd get up, we'd go downstairs, the meatballs would be on a mop peen. I'd steal a couple of them before they would go in the sauce, bada bing, bada boom, right? What are we talking about again? <laughs> <laughs> I lose my train of thought a little bit. Okay, so we got so thought. that's that's the home, right? The the um, the working class, you know, poor, um, uh, you know, uh, pulling it together, you know, family. Um, pasta though again, you know, and and again pasta fagioli and and lentil soup and all these great things, right? And then. There was a couple times in the year where my mother would solo go back to see her parents in Italy, and it would be us here with my father. My dad, my, my parents are the best, right? And they gave me a great childhood, man. We went, to, we made it to Disney. So we did it, right? I went to spend my summers in italy and we got to disney so that, that was a thing for families too like
0: you took yep. if you were able to take your kids to disney and like you Just were doing okay you yeah. Know? yeah yeah so
3: hooker by crook man we got in our minivan with the swear to god with the with the with like the sticker fake laminated wood and and my dad drove drove us to Disney. We went. We did it. He we got it Ford, done.
1: We had the Ford Aerostar. That was our. <laughs> we had one of those too. Oh, yeah, classic. I'll tell you about my first vehicle. We'll get back to that.
3: So um, so when my when my mother went to Italy, my dad, who was uh, a carpenter by trade. Um, in the construction unions and then delivered fruits and vegetables as a side gig during the week. And I would go down to the Hunter Point Market with him. That's a whole other episode. The best, best memories ever, right? Yeah, that's a good foundation right there. But my dad didn't cook, you know, uh, which was great because when my mother would go to Italy, we ate out every night at the restaurants that my dad either supplied with fruits and vegetables. And my dad was the guy that they would call. He was like there like fruit and vegetable, like like assassin. They're like, yo, Larry, I need the best grapes in New York <laughs> for this catering table at <laughs> this catering hall. I need grapes that are so crunchy that when they crunch down on them, I want their brains to explode. And my dad would be at the Hunts Point Market crawling through walking boxes finding the best grapes in the game, right? That was my father, right? So everybody loved, loves my dad. And so you better believe we were eating for free. And, you know, if they had a a wobbly door or a shelf that was crooked or a window that needed to be replaced, my dad was always there for them and never asked for anything because we were going to eat for free (laughs) as soon as mom (laughs) went to Italy. And um, and that's where I was exposed to red sauce, uh, specifically at the Venice in the South Bronx on Court Street. Um, owned by some uh, fellow paisans from Ponza. And uh, that's where we'd eat a lot. You know, there was the parking lot across the street. You'd sit down in the dining room. There was a little closed-caption television that you can watch your car, you know. And um, my godfather, Phil, would come out, and he knew exactly what I was going to get, and it would almost be ready once I got there. And it was chicken parm and steak fries you recall on the 14th menu, you, you get chicken a exactly salad or chicken parmina steak fries, right? Yeah. And just looking at it, you might be like, yeah, that's delicious. I mean, just chicken parmina steak fries, right? But I bet you if you had that now, it, it might taste a little different, right? Because that, that was just, just just the tiniest little story that you tied to it yeah. that's actually true, Right. Like, taking one of those steak fries, once it cooled down a little bit, and maybe even got a little soggy. They're my favorite, by the way, steak fries. And you take the fork, and you grab, like, a loose piece of mozzarella that came off of the chicken parm, and then you run it through the sauce that's got some extra Parmesan on it. That's the bite. That potato (laughs) becomes your protein now, (laughs) right? (sighs) Who wants chicken parm, and steak fries, guys?
0: <laughs> I mean, uh, how about shrimp farm, bro? <laughs> Food wise, obviously that's an influence, and that's uh, what you brought over to the 14th menu. How long were you and John really deciding what to do here, as like putting this thing together? Like, there's so many different components of a restaurant, and like, as we went, it's it's the build out. Like, what what are we gonna use? Color tones and shit like that. Uh, how many seats? This thing gonna be a huge restaurant? It gonna be a small restaurant? Like. We're going to have a cocktail program, too. And I think that one of the things that you guys did tremendously well was tie everything back in together. Like the amount of times that I went in there just to have an old glory at Armonk, just to like check out the housewives in the area that were coming in to have glasses of wine. Like that was my my thing. Go pop over there and check it out. Plus, that was one of the most beautiful build outs, in my opinion. But, like, Thank the you. things that were done at that point, you didn't even have really competition, I don't think, restaurant-wise. Like, was Not there really. something comparable?
1: Not yet. In, in that-
0: I thought about it last night for quite some time. Like, at twenty what, 15, 16 areas, should we say?
3: Like, 20, When we opened and we opened, in, uh, we, opened we, we concepted in 2013, And I think we are open like the beginning of 14, yeah.
0: In that time period, though, I couldn't think of one place that I think was comparable to what was being done at this point.
3: Guys, guys, think back to 2013 and 14. Think of any chef that you would consider a chef that you respect that's a good chef, maybe a little bit of a following, right? Putting garlic bread on the menu... Was I'm not gonna say everybody laughed at me, but it was it was laughable. Garlic bread wasn't something that was treated with any sort of respect, and now
0: due to Olive Garden, I suspect in that time period.
3: Well, the garlic bread is another story about the Venice, how that all came about. Because Fortina, in my head, the original concept of Fortina was a little bougier, right? It was a little more chefy, chefier. You know, sweetbreads ravioli with like brown butter and sage. Mm, you know, we're cool. Um <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that, but you know, it's I just could
0: like, tell I, yeah, even with the mask on I could tell that, that you had a straight face on just now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very straight.
3: Um and um it was it was a few months before the opening of the first store and I had not been to the Venice at that point, probably in like 10 years. It had been a long time. And somebody brought me back. Like, you're stressed out. You need a good lunch. And we went. And we went. (laughs) We were really relaxed. And um, we sat down and I was like, oh, my God, the Venice, they haven't. Watch this place since nineteen eighty three, the year of my birth. This place has got the payphone in the back. I mean, there's a there's a coat on the coat rack that has gotta be here since like pre Jimmy Hoffer. Right? <laughs> right? Um just it's it's as spectacular and still as loved as it ever was, never changed time capsule. And I'm sitting there and head spinning, <laughs> literally. <laughs> Right, and before I can even get my bearings—sorry, I got to itch on my—before I can even get my bearings right, this wicker basket, almost looking like this chair, right? A little wick, you know, the wicker, golden black wicker baskets mm-hmm. with tinfoil. looks literally like that, all right? W- wicker basket <laughs> with tin foil. Or, look at that. <laughs> See. <laughs> Look at that. It's literally a wicker basket. With fucking <laughs> um, I took the brisket tinfoil, guys, and I put it on the chair. The, uh, paint the picture. The full picture.
0: The chair looks like a whisker, uh, wicker basket, and yep. there's now a piece of tinfoil on the chair, and that's essentially what you drop that shit in. Yep, because what they did with that foil now the brisket's also getting all over the table. Yeah, it's gonna be a mess you guys got to secure the Thank you, <laughs> I got you.
3: Um, uh, now it's giving me anxiety. <laughs> now no, you good. good. All right, and we're good. All of a sudden, before I can realize, oh my God, like, I was like, I can't wait to order a chicken parm and steak fries. Let's get some panne vodka. I need some baked clams. And I was starving, and I was nervous about the restaurant. I was stressed, and I was you know, in a daze. And by the grace of the God, in front of me appeared something that legitimately changed my life forever, and it was the wicker basket of foil that was filled with toasted... Garlic bread. In a way, I had never seen it before, with a handful of just melted, low moisture shredded cheese, mozzarella cheese on it. You can <laughs> smell the you can smell the garlic butter, with the f- fake parsley, <laughs> and like the the crispy edges of the cheese and the toasted bread. I mean. It's intoxicating, and you're like, "Oh my god!" And before I can even get my bearings and realize what the hell was going on, I was so intoxicated by this plate of oozy, goo- gooey, crispy garlic bread. By the grace of the God, right next to it, a bowl of hot, piping hot marinara sauce gets slid over. <laughs> <laughs> Whole concept changed right there Garlic bread went on the menu And we started embracing more Of the red sauce Not a red sauce joint A red sauce joint is The Venice Like We were whatever the hell We were So um, Garlic bread Was fucking Garlic bread changed my life it changed my whole. I was like, "This is food people want to eat. What? I, like, what am I gonna like? Try to be like? It's not cool to put garlic bread on the menu." I was like, "I don't care." And we did it, you know.
0: I think Bourdain would always say that all the time too, where it's like, the shit that you find in different culture foods, where to them it's like their gabagool, mishmash, whatever you want to call it, is some of the greatest stuff you could possibly taste.
3: It's, uh, yeah, and that's why. Like, I'm just like. I don't want any of this like fancy stuff, bougie stuff, like unfortunately chefy stuff. Like I'm not like unless it's somebody I'm really like respecting. Like I don't really care about like all the weird things you put in your Brussels sprouts, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, man. Like oh, my this is bad, a dude. Good way to put it. You don't yeah. need to do all that fancy shit. Make it good. Do nice. I gotta have your? It's like do I gotta have your meatballs too? Like what? Like oh god! Like come on. So like we want You know I think we all Have learned that I'm not trying to sound like a cocky douche here Right I don't think that It's just this is my personal preference It's just like I I don't I don't know I want simple food I want simplicity I want the things that Truly make you happy Right hopefully it's healthy (laughs) It's hard nowadays right Um But yeah it's just I can ramble. I go on and on.
0: The at some point with Fortuna it grew. It grew fast. It grew rapidly and dudes were just like, "Holy shit, they're opening up another one." "Holy shit, they're opening up another one." There's one open in Brooklyn, there's one City Market like too big too fast is a thing that occurs a lot. We're slow down for a second. How the decision to do so much growth so quickly comes from what was it we're at the point we're so successful in these places let's just push forward into the next zone
3: ambition straight up we want to be rich right we wanted to be rich <laughs> <laughs> all right i was like first you know get the time machine somebody tell this idiot that restaurant <laughs> ain't gonna do it for you bro um no, no, but like we were no me and me and John were, we're freaking ambitious dudes and we're, we're not stopping, right? Like we were gonna we were gonna get it done hook up by crook. We're gonna we were gonna be we are gonna be successful hook up by crook, right? And you can't that's not a good thing to to dampen ever, you know um, even if sometimes you're you're too ambitious because like I said, you gotta get your lumps. Any chef I speak to. That you you give, you know, the outline of your story to And you tell them where you are in your life And they're like, everyone's just like, yeah, I read that book before Seen that story before Because everyone lives it Everyone You're going to meet great people in your life Everyone's going to meet terrible people in their lives It is life, Right? just be prepared for it i guess cuz <laughs> everyone's going to learn some sort of lesson in their lives and that's fine it's not a bad thing you got to embrace it and learn from it
1: what do you think going from one to two what was it what was the bigger transition for you going from the first one to the second one or yeah the second two?
3: one is really your first restaurant your second restaurant's really your first restaurant it's so okay.
1: funny that you say that like
0: just you've said that multiple times yeah, like I, we didn't feel like we we I, yeah I partially own Smokehouse
1: too by the way guys. So, <laughs> at least I feel like, I feel like <laughs> it at this point. Go ahead, I'll send you some of the debt too. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah hit them <laughs> up. But yeah, what well, we thought we had the first one and we opened the second one. We're like, oh, these are some like real challenges now, like that we didn't know in the first. Different one. animal, bro. Yeah, Different, and
3: we we you know Fortina had this funny problem because we opened a year and a half later, thirteen minutes away from our first incredibly successful store. And we doing what me and John did best, hyped the hell out of it. <laughs> and we opened that little place and it was a total gong show and we weren't ready for it. We didn't know how to how to maintain it. And while that was happening, it's like, Oh my God, there's another incredible you're busy restaurant that we still have And so you're running like for like a year or so, you're like <laughs> running back and forth like, you know, Propping up this side, then going to this side, and then, like, as you try to, like, figure it out, and then, you know, from a design aspect, from a build aspect, like, because now you have a little bit more experience, and you start, you you make different decisions, and and not, and good ones, you know, And, and then you, maybe you get a little, but then you get a little, uh... A little brave and then you start like you know you push the envelope a little bit that second restaurant is is really interesting because like you think you're gonna make do everything right that you did wrong from the first restaurant and make it better but you really start to get really good at it by like <laughs> uh, yeah. i can speak from advantage <laughs> yeah. but from experience the third or the fourth restaurant <laughs> you start you think you start to get good at it but even you know uh it's 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 just a crazy it's just a crazy thing man because You know, I'm self taught. I didn't didn't really, you know, I didn't work for any cool, world famous chefs. I worked for awesome chefs. My boy, Anthony Goncalves, shout out, White Plains 42. I tried to get an internship with
2: him when I was in culinary school. Call me back. Yo, Yo, AG, we gotta talk, bro. My boy's here.
3: You should get Anthony. You should talk. You should get Anthony to talk to you. You you guys would love him.
2: Yeah. D.
0: The deal in, because there's a million guys out there, talk to those guys and, you know, without going too far into things, when you talk about PE, private equity coming in, they like funding things. They like seeing balance sheets showing that there's profits able to be made, right? That's where you get pushing the envelope to expand further and do crazy things. And these guys look at securing Funding, the, you know, the same way in the way you and John did on the first spot that you were doing. How do we get this thing made? This thing's not going to be cheap. Uh, you know, just knowing what Justin put into his restaurants, too. And you, you, again,
1: I think finding the money is probably the hardest thing to do. Oh, finding the
3: money yeah, to open. Yeah, never again.
0: Correct. <laughs> and you, you get to those... Points, like, you know, give guys those gems that maybe are to that point where they're looking to get their second spot. They're trying to do some type of capital raise. They're, you know, they're in a position where they're, like, looking to
3: raise. Look at us. Look at us. We're having a podcast talking about how to fucking survive. How to figure it out in this business. It, the thing, the problem's way bigger than Anything we're talking about Everything we're talking about is so important Because We are cursed To be people of passion And The odds are No matter what we do It's probably not going to even out for us Because we are too passionate And we're going to have to find ways to diversify Like they said on Chappelle's show diversify your bonds man mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> are you referencing this time being like covid in general as what we're going through or just in general that covid only highlighted like
3: like like the rents that that were charged and like you, know, like you know we can we can go into this whole conversation right and like you know we'll be beating a dead horse but like come on man no restaurants can support you know these like you know i'm not even talking about new york city in New York City is just a whole animal, and I can't yeah. speak too much to it. But like, even in Westchester, man, there was some the rents, you know, just the rentals just for restaurants. It's just it makes it so hard for people like us that are so passionate that only want to do what they what they love. It's it's it was already so hard to make it happen in this industry, and then. Covid was, in my opinion, just a wake up call. Like, what the hell are we doing? Look at this. This is this is insurmountable if you think about it. <laughs> yeah. And now I can see clearly because you know it's I don't know like whatever Covid did. Everybody, I can just everyone can like be like, oh my god, yeah, this is this is this is bananas, right? Like how I think everyone's getting real stats for the first time and they're hearing real numbers for the first time and they're like, what? scary scary stuff so like in whatever happened here like i already heard somebody told me about somebody taking out and doing a new project and that you know somewhere not far from here is within the, wheel, the wheelhouse N- project that's coming up no i don't here. even know anything about that no this is like 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 under an hour from here but around here and they're like yeah these people are taking you know doing a new project here and you know, their rent is like 30K a month. And I'm like, wait, even what? <laughs> like in the future? They're like, they're already negotiated a future rent for 30K a month. Like that scares the shit out of me because I thought thing I was hoping that that was going to change. My wife's calling me. Hey baby, you okay? I'm on a podcast.
0: And, and she is coming. To I'm almost done, baby. Little, yeah, you coming, coming on speaker? speaker. Little, you sound like, be really hot. What you
3: say. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> um, it's like what? I don't know. Like I'm not, I'm not good at business, <laughs> right? But like this model can't. It, it obviously doesn't work. And like if it doesn't change, then like what? Like. Then, then the landlords and 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 the real estate and all this stuff is going to dictate everything once again. And all these people with passion and heart are going to become, you know, just really just hide to just this rigmarole of just a very, very, very hard existence. I think and the hard, the hardest
1: part is the landlords don't. Don't understand what what's going on they walk in friday night and see a packed house and they're like oh don't worry about it but dude, is- the,
3: pro- the problem too right and, and i'm with you bro like i <laughs> trust me <laughs> right and i don't know if it's my old age i don't know if it's having two kids and you know a daughter being one of them <laughs> right but like i really do i really 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 try hard to look at something from a 360 angle Right Alright I'm a landlord Okay And I own 10 buildings And I'm I've been doing pretty Gosh darn good For a long time But you know When you, you get something To a certain size You gotta feed the beast Right not every, Everybody's got their own up, You know Things they gotta, they gotta handle And now Those 10 big buildings You know Everyone's struggling. Those 200 apartments, no one can afford to pay their rent, right? Maybe that guy, that guy or girl or woman, you know, whatever, can, can last longer than me and you can, but, like, chances are the landlords got a bank with a fucking foot on their fucking temple looking for their nut, right? And it is very i can only see it right now cuz i'm currently not in the restaurant business bro so i am in a very luxurious position to be on the outside looking in so i get
4: right
3: oh bro i see your frustration i understand it it's and you got another 2000 things that you you should be pissed off about as well along with that so I get it. You guys are, it, it's a game of survival right now for everybody. I'm blessed. I tell my wife, I say, baby, I don't know what I did. I said, thank God that I'm able to, to like, you know, work in, in other areas of, of the food business that like, you got a better shot playing for the Yankees. <laughs> I'm sorry. My agent said that to me. Like, seven years ago. So, like, I am, I, I I do not take that for granted one bit. I am pronunciating every word so you hear it. <laughs> I don't take it for granted. I am so grateful. And I really feel like that's when, you know, luck's a part of it. I competed on Chopped 100 years ago, season four. And then... They call me back, like, a few years later to guess, judge. What? What? What are you talking about? Was, what, is this the, like, what, you, what do you mean? Like, I had no reason to be there.
0: <laughs> I was just going to bring this up where you are quite fortunate to have the other aspect of this business, and that is the media side. And, like, being this, you know, larger-than-life personality character that you are, like, you fill a void into the Food Network that needs to be there. Uh, almost like a super toned down Maddie Matheson in some ways. <laughs> Luck. Yeah. Luck. Right. right. Timing. Timing. Luck. Right. Timing is everything. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. And we've talked about that so many times where it's like people get lucky. It's not that they just get lucky. They put themselves in the right position to get lucky and take advantage of that. And that's an opportunist really too. And yeah, you did. You were in the right spot at the right time with the Food Network. And you did your thing and came out and they said, hey, this is a type character that we need to have, right? If you look at any of these uh, shows that exist, like The Bachelor or whatnot, for example, they each have their own type of characters on these shows, and everyone fulfills like this this piece. Now, you're this guy that talks to younger dudes in a lot of ways. Like, we're, we're sitting here wearing similar clothes. Like, you're a guy that I tune into on the Food Network and maybe even subscribe to Discovery Plus because I have Verizon, you know? Just throwing some things, and we'll talk about that in a second, too. Oh. But Discovery like, Plus, baby. No, nah, but you're you're in that position to be able to pivot a little bit where other guys can't. I was just telling somebody the other day, as somebody was bitching about their job, and I said, dude, you're fucking fortunate enough to be having a job right now, and you're bitching about things that are going on behind the bar? Get the fuck out of here. There's guys all throughout New York City sitting on their couch, and they're Wish only getting it, paid work. maybe 200 bucks a week on their unemployment, because the place that they work at doesn't allow them to claim as much money as they make anyway. And this is a real problem that we're going through. But again, not to beat the dead horse with things. Uh, you have things coming up right now with the Food Network. And I, I saw somewhere at some point we were saying words about you potentially taking a cross-country road trip. Is this a thing?
3: That was a funny thing. I can give you the backstory to that. It's uh, So I'm going to uh, California t- tomorrow to do, um, Maybe we'll cut this. I'll let you know. But um, we're going out. I'm going out to California tomorrow to film season two of a show called "A uh, Tournament of Champions" that Guy produced and hosts. That's a lot of fun. It's a bracket style head-to-head chef cooking competition. Um, I was the Draft, numbers.
0: DraftKings is also. Gonna, you're going to be able to place bets <laughs> on which chef goes to the end on DraftKings, well, and the odds are going to constantly change. It,
3: can we get that on DraftKings?
0: Probably. Anything could we yeah, get we it see. on there. Because
3: last year, I was the number seven seed, and I took out, I took out, uh, which I was kind of upset about, right? Um, I know nothing about sports, by the way, so I learned about seeds, and then I was like, yeah, I'm offended. I didn't know when they first said it. I was like, yeah, number seven. Number Lucky seven. number seven. <laughs> and they were like, no, no, no. Yeah. It was like, one out of eight, you're number seven, bro. Um but I took out Mark Murphy, number two, you know, in the first round last season. So um, I'm hoping for a better ranking this year. Nice. Uh, and that's, a, that's like, a lot of fun, right? Like, uh, So we're doing that. I believe Mark is out. Obviously, Mark is out there. And um, Mark was like, yo, let's just, like, <laughs> he's like, I just did it. He's like, it's dope. And I was telling him how I wanted to go cross country. So he's like, you know, all right, let's do it. You know, I'll do it again. Let's find, let's find the. You know, he learned from his last trip. You know exactly what type of RV to get. So we were trying to get one, and you know, we were gonna just, you know, like a fun, like self documented, maybe a small camera crew or something. But uh, and we were gonna instead of flying to the shoot, we were gonna take the 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 RV. <laughs> RV. It was so funny because like. About a month and a half ago, I was up at Guy's Ranch. We were filming Guy's Ranch Kitchen. And the day I was leaving, you see this RV pulling in. Mark Murphy drove, <laughs> he drove the RV all the way from New York. All the way up to the ranch, bro. I love him so much. He's my idol. You can you actually follow his whole trip on his Instagram. It is looked so amazing. I've never been to a national park in my life. I've never done any of this cool stuff. So I really look forward to one day really getting to see my country, you know?
1: We, we talked about that before. It sounded like the... Um... That movie Chef, the yeah. John Favreau movie. And I and I I said when my son gets a little older it'd be cool to do something that like that with him, just take him out for the thing. Just
3: Can You imagine dude?
1: Yeah. Just drive. Just drive and set up shop and take the trailer and
3: you imagine like our kids wanna do like just even hang out with us while we do what we love. <laughs> right, right, Forget about like if they right want to take that strong. on themselves. Right but like right that'd now. be like that, that, that's my dream right and right like, now I'm
1: still pretty cool to him hopefully I' stay in there Walking
3: the line right that's <laughs> why I'm gonna walk that line until my kid like I see like you know one thing I really loved about one of the few things I really loved about being in the restaurant in this street No, I'm kidding um what I really did love though was seeing the like the 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 kids that are like in their early 20s mid20s late 20s. You know, like kind of like that area, you know, that sweet spot that just becoming pros at their professional career or whatever it is, and like you know, you see them at a table, like you know, two kids, two parents, the parents, and then, you know, they're all having a glass of wine and a drink, and they're laughing, telling stories. Like what? Like that is the dream. That is the dream. Just to sit down in a restaurant with my family and everyone to be grown-ups and not that i'm rushing to get to this point but everyone to be grown-ups and to be able to like oh my god tell like sit down kids let me tell you a story about 2020 <laughs> you know let me tell you a little ditty a shanty that'll be, that'll so uh, a i wrapped the sure. car
0: around the pole your so mother had to come get me
3: i've done <laughs> that i've i i got into a fight with anthony goncalves i never told the story at trotters well, i didn't get into a fight i got yelled at really bad and 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 ripped to shreds probably well deserved and i got into my chrysler 300 srt8 i was like 19 years old man and i and i got out the back i ran out of the back of the restaurant i got in my car in the back of trotters and white Plains, and i <laughs> peeled it went around the turn and impale the telephone pole. And then uh, Anthony came out and we called uh, the tow truck and we went to candlelight. <laughs> it all worked out. <laughs>
0: and ending anything at candlelight was always a good time, I think.
3: Anthony Gonzalez is a living legend, guys. Tell me about.
0: Uh- going forward here where I mean we're in streaming wars right now this is huge and it's it's been huge and people are always wondering well why the hell did friends just leave Netflix and why is this on this and this on this big business now and it is and it, it's getting extremely hectic to figure out where things are what they're on and I think it's only a matter of time before things go full circle again and some other company pulls all their money together to just create one big app where all of this content just lives on one big app again it's called cable TV
3: bro just sign up for everything and you'll be good yeah and here's my 140 <laughs> bucks luck, right? but like no it's it's crazy like I, I am getting closer and closer to the crazy idea of turning off my cable box right i'm
0: surprised you haven't done that yet you have cable yeah, we start cable. You cable? Yeah, for now. Guys, <laughs> yes, what are you doing? Cut the cord. I n- I, we never watch it. Exactly. Yeah. For the kids, it's Disney Plus all day. You yeah. lose News 12. It's going to be okay. You'll figure things out. Yeah, I
3: haven't. Uh, no, shout out to News 12, but I haven't seen News 12 in a minute. Yeah. And I, I loved Files 1, and then they Fios took 1 that from nice. me. Yeah. <laughs> I said, how dare you take my Files 1? I loved <laughs> Files 1, guys. <laughs> oh, my God. Files 1 to me, I hope somebody from Files 1 knows that their work did not go unloved because files one when i first opened 14 Tina Armonk and we lived in that apartment there was the was the the, the channel that was anytime i turned on the television it, it was set for some reason to go to files one and i'll tell you what man my files one became like a warm blanket like the <laughs> coziest more i needed to, i needed my files one you knew that it was the same loop every thirty-seven <laughs> minutes, and I'd watch it some days. You know dude, every some days I'd be so out of it and so mentally just gone to the world where I could probably just watch that thirty-seven minute thing like forty times in a row. Like all of a sudden it's dinner time. I was like, oh, I can't see the Groundhog thing anymore. I gotta get out of here.
1: Like one of my one of the guys that works for us is that his grandma's favorite channel is that. TV guy channel that just scrolls that just through the uh, oh, I you get know, it, the different but like
3: it is content and it's rotating <laughs> content, and that's nice.
0: And circle into what you're just saying with the things being content like Discovery Plus is about to launch in the beginning of January, and the claim here is that the amount of content that's on Discovery Plus is unsurmountable to all the other places that exist. It, Or all the other streaming platforms to exist. I'm sorry, I'm smiling. I I know. (laughs) You're like, God, this guy knows his stats about some shit that I'm semi-involved in here. But, like, what Disney Plus did was they inked the deal with Verizon to do a free year of Disney Plus to all Verizon subscribers. And they wound up getting 20 million subscribers off of that. I think it was 20 million. Don't fully quote me. But anyway... The thing is, people love free shit. Now, you're going to tell me that I could watch you for free for a year on Discovery Plus. Guess who's signing up? This guy right here. And the fact that there's so much content, and we go through Netflix, and you go, how is there nothing on Netflix? Now there's only like 200 shows on Netflix, if that, at any given time, as there once was like 400, and you could just keep on scrolling. But with all the different shows that Food Network has, with all the different shows that, uh, what is it, Magnolia TV is about to be on there as well.
3: Guys... Discovery Discovery. Discovery, Discovery Channel, guys. <laughs> guys. Growing up, we had the illegal cable box, right? Obviously, mm-hmm. and outside of Channel eighty eight, <laughs> you know, we don't talk about Channel eighty eight, right? Uh, that was the one that you didn't ever get yeah, clearly. You vision. could see a nipple. Ours amazing. was clear in <laughs> our illegal cable box, and we did not go to eighty eight. Uh <laughs> Channel nineteen was Nickelodeon. I was big, big Nickelodeon, big, big into Nickelodeon. Shout out. Clarissa explains it all. <laughs> you know, what would you do? Um, I met Mark Summers like four years ago and I was like, ta, 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 hi, uh, Mark Summers. <laughs> and when he told me his email, he, he, he tells you his email address and like, he told me his email address because it's one that you don't forget. And, it, and I just... I I was able to go and die at that point. I forget <laughs> the fact that this happened, that guy, she had his birthday party. <laughs> sorry. What planet are we on? What planet are we on? Oh, it's so weird. But, um, so channel 19 was Nickelodeon. Nick at night, Snick. I'm sorry, I'm still going. Nickelodeon. Are you afraid of the dark? Submitted for your approval of the Midnight Society.
1: <laughs> that was the first channel I watched when we got cable, Nickelodeon. That was my parents gave that to me for my birthday. Like, look, Nickelodeon.
3: So Channel 19 was Nickelodeon, and um, Channel 20 was Discovery Channel. And back then, there was only one Discovery Channel. And one of their shows on it was a show called Great Chefs of the World.
0: I know the show. Right?
3: And it was very simple, dump and store, you know, cooking show took place in, like, French hotel kitchens, resort kitchens. Very Frenchy chefs. I saw foie gras for the first time, you know, and they do an appetizer course segment. It was a segment, just like, you know, like a chef all of a sudden was in his toque, which is the big, you know, paper hat in a kitchen cooking an appetizer. And then they'd cut to, you know, Jean Franck from the Four Seasons, you know, Cancun. And he was going to make, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then they'd be the patient, right? And then they spun off into Great Chefs Hawaiian style. Remember that? I don't know if you guys remember that, but there was Great Chefs Hawaiian style. And there was that really beautiful, famous, boisterous chef. I forget his name. Big but that's where I saw him for the first. God, the I'm so embarrassed to be forgetting his name. He's a legend. Um So I'd flip back and forth between Nickelodeon and Discovery Channel, right? And then and that's where my love for cooking started. I swear to God, that's where it started. That's where it started. Because, like I said, I didn't realize the incredible food I was around until I was older. I knew that I loved cooking because I watched it on television. And no, not once ever did I say, I can't wait to be on TV. <laughs> I want to be a TV chef. No. When I started cooking, it was still kind of like, you know, you were still kind of a dirt bag to be in a kitchen. So... Garbage days.
0: truck driver, uh, but they make fucking money. Garbage truck driver, be yeah, garbage truck driver. They no way everyone do that shit. But right now, sign me up. I will drive garbage truck. It's beautiful, beautiful. Did you man. grow up Put- with Food Network going on in your ki- your kitchen at home, growing up? No, my mother
1: used to watch the Julia Childs. That was big. I mean, similar. It's a cooking show. Yeah. right. Was well, not Food had, Network at had the time? That too. She always had that on. And then we mm-hmm. all had that. Yeah, my yeah. grandmother
2: would watch those shows also. Is that
0: mm. like is that what led us into this business period? Is it just watching those cooking shows? And I mean, a, I well,
3: mean, it was part of yeah, our lives. So whether you realize it or not,
1: yeah. I you know All my right. like my uncle Tommy had the deli in Boston and some other people. So I had some family already in the business, and it was kind of like one of the paths I could have. In fact, my dad grew up in the business and then decided to be a lawyer. So I don't know. he went the other way. So, mm-hmm. but there was definitely that influence for me. So that's where. I Actually, he went to seminary first. He was about to be a priest because that's what his dad wanted him to do. And then at the last minute, he's like, "No, nah, I want to be a lawyer." So figure, yeah. Change. figure that out. You're about to be a priest. Yeah. Instead, you became a lawyer. He was like, no, nah, so- we're, we're going the we're going the opposite
3: direction on this one." I think Get on the good side of this. I love that
0: being close enough with Guy too. Where yeah, obviously he does have his own production company and he's putting out all this content. You know, look look at the Magnolia Channel that's going to be put out here too. Do you have forward interest? And I know you just said, "Hey, let's take an RV, get maybe a film crew going as we go across." Like that could be fun content, obviously.
3: December twenty seventh. What's today? It, oh, cool. I
1: know
3: he's in December twenty seventh. Um, a documentary is going to air called "Restaurant Hustle on the Line," and um, you know, oh my god, going back eight nine months now. It was like late late one night. Wait, phone- December 27th. 27th.
0: What's the documentary called?
3: It's called Restaurant Hustle on the Line. Okay. And um it was about 9 months ago. And late night phone call, guy, which isn't totally out of out of context, right? But this time he had some heavy duty executives on the phone and he was like yo we are going to you're into it we want to document what's going on in your life throughout covid and this is before covid really started to get weird and we all knew it was if you know if you were able to allow yourself to read the writing on the wall it looked like it was going to be pretty weird <laughs> right and um guy called uh, me antonio lafaso um, Manit Chauhan and the incredible Marcus Samuelson and uh, within a couple of days we all had a bunch of uh, camera equipment mobile camera equipment at our homes and we set up in our cars and we used our cell phones and we documented everything, everything, everything in our lives and um, as my you know as all of our lives started to go sideways because of covid my life even started to go even more sideways because of other stuff and we just kept going right like call guy you're like hey guy what do i do my my life story is kind of pivoting right now throughout this whole covid (laughs) situation and that's not what we're supposed to it's not what this show is about and my brother was like keep going this film man this is your life and i just i'm so happy that i own it some of the hardest times in my whole life have all been captured on camera and a lot of it ha- that you know is you, you're not going to see in the documentary but it doesn't mean that one that story of, can't be told and won't be told one day
1: so one of one of our it's funny because one of our listeners actually suggested that we should do after this is over like a town hall type of thing with some of the restaurants talking about the last 8 or 9 months just to get the perspective from like all the pivots and the changes in the creativity aspect mm. and then after he had suggested that to me I picked up I missed the it ran on the um film festival yeah and and then
3: you know it ended up getting picked up by the doc NYC film festival which really ended up being sort of a stressful thing for me as as gracious and as beautiful and grateful as I am for it but it was because at the end of the documentary I talk about me leaving um my my company and at that point we had not really announced it <laughs> to the public <laughs> okay and we were still kind of working through that and uh and then it aired at doc nyc and then like that morning that it was gonna air was when i was like oh my god and then like you know so then everybody of course thinks that you know i do it on purpose because <laughs> i'm <laughs> just a terrible human so you know it, you know it's stressful stressful but yeah it, it, we were so so lucky that it, it made it onto doc nyc um and so yeah, you were able to see it there for about five days if you signed up for that film right. festival.
1: I missed it there, but I'm gonna tune in for the 27th to check it out. But I did um, catch you guys did like a Zoom. Uh, yeah, we did a Zoom meeting. thing
3: with DOC NYC. It's a two hour, so it's just you know, it's a two hour documentary produced by Guy um, and Citizen Pictures. It is beautiful um, and it's it's heart wrenching.
0: I admittedly am such a piece of shit. I was laying on the couch and I was like, oh, let me order this the tickets for this thing right now so I could watch it 11 p.m. You had your whole day running around and I was like, fuck's my wallet.
3: I was like, it's in the bedroom. I'm not getting it. <laughs> Fuck you, it. bro. <laughs> oh, God. The worst thing is, is having to make Essentially the most unimportant purchase in the world, but is so important in that moment that yep. you got to, like, go get your wallet out of your car <laughs> in the middle of the night. So yeah. you can, Like, why isn't this on my Apple Pay? Why doesn't this site accept PayPal? Like, what planet are we on? What year is this, right? man? I got to put plug in my numbers? Like, what are you, nuts? That's it's so true, though. That it's we're true. I don't want to type in my numbers. Yeah, Do not yeah. make me go in my pocket Correct. for anything other than my phone to find what I need. If I got to go <laughs> find my... No, I don't don't want to know know right. I hate that shit. Hey, and we talk about ease of access all the time on
0: here too, where it's like hey, people it are inherently lazy. They don't yes. want to do anything. That's why we're the ones that are setting up shop to own the restaurants and other people are coming to it. It's a lot <laughs> easier for them to do that than go through the hassle of inventing things.
3: Oh God, yeah, everybody would be doing it if it was easy, right?
0: <laughs> the... Uh, You've got, with all the projects and things that you have going on in your life, it's insane being able to balance so much. You know, I, I credit Justin a lot for being able to do a lot of things, too. Like, all right, we're doing this. You're running the restaurant, putting out fires all day long. You're yes. balancing the family life. And you're in part, a super similar situation with balancing the restaurant stuff, balancing the family life, balancing the food network. And Justin just, and Nooms actually made fun of me last week because... Justin was talking about hatching his eggs and whatnot. And I'm like, why do they just take the chicken? What were you saying? You were saying you bring the chickens over to the sanctuary or something when they well, grow too I, big. And I'm like, what the fuck is up with first, you guys and your chickens? I don't they First of all, they're ducks. And that was the thing that you made fun <laughs> of me for. They were ducks. Guys,
3: can we talk about something real quick? Does anybody remember me having ducks or geese?
0: I do. This is why we brought it yeah. up in the first place.
3: <laughs> it's really interesting. Maybe you guys can make me understand now. I'll tell you the story, I guess, first, and it's kind of hard for me to tell. It was the middle while we were filming this whole documentary. We were building our new run, you know, so if you know anything about coops and having chickens and ducks and runs and stuff like that, you have the coop, right? The house, and then you have the fenced-in area that they walk out into and safely live so predators can't get to them, Right. So we were in the middle of finishing our run. I have, uh, the, you know, I have my my ten girls, my ten chickens. Shout out to my girls, <laughs> love them so much. Like you wouldn't believe, it's weird. I love my mm-hmm. girls. I've seen the pictures on Instagram. My hands, these... those are my babies. Yes, they're cleaning right? a lot. And then we got six ducks. We got a a, a blue Swedish. We got some runners. Um, my sweet, beautiful Sonia, the white crescent. that had the poofy hat. <laughs> she was funny, right? She was a trip. And, um, and we had two geese, a, a Sebastopol and a French Toulouse that were going to grow to be about 25 to 30 pounds each. Lived for about 20 years. We were very excited about this. And they all imprinted to to me, which means that because I had them when they were a, a day and a half, two days yeah. old in my possession, they legitimately all thought I was their mother. And then, of course, I took care of them every day. And these are, you know, and then... We, we, when they lived in the house, we were like napping together on the couch. You know, like, oh.
0: If you walk around with these, I don't want to say, things, they follow like, me. They will <laughs> follow you. Yeah. Oh, yeah,
3: I'll show you videos. They just follow me all around the property. They would just go anywhere I went. If I'd sit down, they'd all just sit down around me and we would just all hang out.
1: Mine did that to my son. So they follow him <laughs> They around. follow Tyler. The yeah. the it's
3: the best. It's the best. You know, I've got to tell you. You can relate. Yeah.
0: Ex- explain to me purpose. All right, uh, don't get at me. I'm a guy on the outside. I don't Fine. understand these things. You guys are both crazy to me. And with that said, I understand you're like, yeah, I have eggs. I put it up to the light. I could see if it's an egg that can be eaten or if what what happens
1: to it if it's not able if to be fertilized. Then if it's fertilized, oh, you yeah, got males.
3: Eggs. I have no males on my property. I have smart,
0: yeah, one oh, that male sounds like smart. Too.
1: So we actually started as Tyler's uh, preschool like class project. They hatched ducklings and took care of them, and then. Lucky us, we got the ducks to take home from the uh-huh, class. Uh-huh. We had that, and that's how it started. And then, you know, we, we had some males, had some females, and they've been hatching, so now we just kind of go through cycles. And then as they get bigger, we bring some over to the Stanford Nature Center because they have the duck, uh, duck area. Beautiful. We don't have enough room for like all no. the ducks, so we just keep kind of cycling through, and we'll bring the f- new ducks, uh, old that ducks. That sounds to crazy the- to you?
2: That's beautiful.
1: <laughs> what do you like? You guys are out of your mind. What makes you happy?
3: I what actually it? does it make you happy, by the
1: way. Yeah, it makes the whole family. Great.
0: happy. Great. I'm no, I'm glad these things make you happy. I just don't understand. <laughs> I like, it's yeah. a big, yeah. yeah. It's you hard, are, you have ten of them, right? He's got how many? You have? We have three. There's, three right you have now. Three. We had
1: seven at one point. But we we're you've down. got ten. It's we're a lot, that three. many waterfowl is a lot of water. Yeah, they make eggs though. This is they the make thing. Eggs. Oh, yeah. So so <laughs>
0: they make eggs. They make eggs. He's so so I, have, I have
3: these, uh, you know, this coop, you know, and. And uh, I go out in the morning, and at that point, we still had one part of the run that I had. we were short, one piece of fencing. So it was still exposed. So we weren't letting them in the run alone, right? So the night before, I put them all in the coop. I closed the doors. I pressed the latch. And so the next morning, I've been hiking you know, recently, which has been nice. It's been helping keep me sane a little bit. And I, you know, I put all my gear on, and I got a weighted vest on, and I, I, I you know, get everything ready to go.
0: <laughs> What's the trail?
3: The uh, it's like up where I live in Bedford. There's just all different trails. Like there's like horse not trails, like, private trails. Uh, not r- like
0: Anthony's Nose, Breakneck
3: Bridge. Kind no, of oh no, no, no! This is all just like like that's the beauty of like where I am, um, which I love. But even we're leaving. <laughs> But it's, it's a really beautiful thing to be able to walk around these beautiful trails. All of a sudden, you're in a meadow, and then some lovely person left a beautiful bench in the middle of it, you know, in the middle of the woods. So you can go and reflect and relax a little bit, right? So I, I woke up getting ready for that. I got my headphones on. I go to to the back. I usually I like to fill up the water for, for the birds and get them going, say good morning, open up the thing, you know. And... I've seen some stuff in my life growing up where I grew up. You know, I've seen very things that, you you know, like very traumatic, you know, scary looking things. I've seen things. And um, all of my ducks and my geese were, were, were massacred. And uh, a raccoon opened up the door and got to them. Same thing happened to us. And what's really, really messed up about, like, when a raccoon gets to them as opposed to, like, a fox or a hawk that will take them away and eat the animal, which is very sad, but, like, there's a part of it that you're like, I'm a hunter, like, I get it, right? Circle of life, right? Raccoons are total scumbag, pieces of shit. I hate raccoons. Pardon me while I spit on the floor. Raccoons just kill. They just killed, they, for no reason, they killed my my girls. Um, and they do it in very brutal fashion. And, like, it's like their MO. I, it's just the, the, and I never even knew that raccoons had it in them. So I officially hate raccoons. I, I hate nothing in the world except for raccoons. Um, and it was really traumatizing. And uh, it was, oh, man, it was really hard, really hard. And I'm getting to the point, believe it or not, I'm not even at the point yet. I remember we went inside and like I actually took out one of the cameras. I was like, I, I just, I started, I started recording it for the show. And, uh, and then the weird thing was we never talked, I never talked about it. I never like said that like what happened, but like I never, I also never posted them ever. I posted them a lot, guys. Yeah. <laughs> a lot. And so like when we were like, shit. We don't. I don't want to talk about it. Like are people are gonna think that we're like being irresponsible, even though we weren't. And like you know who's this and that. Like we're just so sad. We don't want to even. We we're really bummed on it. Really depressed. So we just never talked about it. But not one person has ever asked us about the Ducks or the Geese. <laughs> I swear to God, not one human being of whatever people follow me—fifty, sixty thousand people—has said, "Hey." What about those ducks and those geese that you lived with, that you posted every five seconds of your life, that you slept with, that you raised, that were about six months old, and then all of a sudden we never saw them again?
2: Kind of crazy that no one's brought it up yet.
3: No, so so that's the story, and and I kind of really feel good to be able to get (laughs) it out. Talk about it, yeah. They deserve to be spoken about. Like I got a tattoo that I'm working on for them, like.
0: Wait though, you nobody still has answered me about the egg thing. Is it? Do you have them because you want eggs? It's way more
3: than that. So let's talk about so let's talk about the chickens. Okay, that'll answer everything, right? For me, it's the chickens. Um, there's a few things that go on. Let's I talk actually about, feel stupid. No, 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 you shouldn't, you shouldn't, you shouldn't, <laughs> because listen, I, I always wanted chickens and I just got them and I didn't even realize my wife what I was egg. gonna get from them because I, I want to the chickens. Yeah, dude, I, I, I. I wanted chickens because I was like, oh, I like it. it'd be really cool to get eggs and to have chickens. Sure, eggs are the obvious. Well, now it makes sense to me if it's eggs. <laughs> <laughs> There's way more to it, and you can understand in a minute. Forget about the selfish reasons, reasons that it's it, I, I always wanted them and I got them and that they are actually very therapeutic, right? They call it chicken television. No bullshit. You can just sit in your backyard if they're free ranging, which means when they're walking freely around and pecking all the worms and spiders and none of the stuff you want around your property, right? And they're cleaning up your, aerating your soil in there, and they're and they're making your soil even, um, new, more nutrient rich than it was before. And I hate spiders, like I said, so they're eating all the nasty bugs all over the place. So already, like I didn't realize how much I was gonna love these girls, and I love them that much just for that, right? And on top of that, you get to, you know, as stressful as life is, now I have the blessing to be outside in my backyard, and I get to just watch these girls that I raised from literally, literally, literally two days old, or a day old, and now they're out here, they're thriving, they're happy, and this is before you've even gotten a single leg. it takes about six, seven months for you, right? And... <clears throat> you know they're happy because they're free ranging you know they're happy because you're taking care of them you giving them fresh water you're putting oregano oil in the water because it's good for them their feed is like full of like like we can we would make a salad out of their friggin seed mix there's more walnuts and sunflower seeds and peanuts it's like oh my god <laughs> dude these they, they, like the seed is good. like straight up
0: the granola bro that's right? a tv show in itself the chicken feed chopped elimination <laughs> you just see their snacks
3: dude <laughs> that the, the girls get but like you know so like you know you feel you just you feel good knowing that you're taking care of something that relies on you and they're so happy and then they i get all these beautiful sort of like pedigree like purebred sort of birds right different breeds and heritage breeds and So you don't really, you know what they're going to look like kind of, but it's really beautiful to like every day a new feather might sprout out or like a new color might start to emerge. Like every day you're watching these birds. Oh, you can relate to all this. You're watching them evolve into whatever version of that species that you know very well what they look like, but what's mine going to look like? Is it going to be the best version of it? Is she going to be unique? Is it going to be this? Is it going to be that? Right. So that's really cool. And then, like, so if you saw my birds, like, there's, I got inside-out fluffy ones, fluffy ones that are funny-looking, silly, mean, pretty, like, you know, like, different breeds, small, short. My oldest one, Phyllis, Phyllis Vance. Uh, she's this big, man. She's tiny. She's the size of, like, half of a football. And she's the oldest. She's, like, the oldest one by, like, five minutes, you know? And... There's other birds that are literally four times the size of her that were from the same, you know, uh, when I got them the same time, you know, and they're characters. People don't realize how smart they are. So just watching them, me alone, is beautiful, right? Now, forget me, kids. Forget the fact that my son is going to learn about another living creature and how to treat it, how to be nice to it, how to nurture it how to be affectionate, how not to fucking, you know, hurt it, right? You're teaching the kids skills, right? Um, He's being exposed to something, he or she is being exposed to something that I think is pretty cool, and it's just, it's stimulating for their brains. You know, little briars, one years old, and, like, you see her interacting with a chicken. It's it's pretty cool, right? You got to figure that something is sparking that maybe wouldn't have, right? And then... When we got to clean the coop and, you know, Bobo is, you know, helping me push the wheelbarrow and we're sweeping out that smelly coop with the, you know, ours doesn't get very smelly because Martha Stewart taught me how not to let that happen. (laughs) But like, you know, but we're out there and we're working and we're shoveling, you know, we, we got a big truckload of gravel that we put around the coop. So we were shoveling gravel into the thing and. To take care of the birds, we fill up the water. He drags the water jug like he's he's learning responsibility through the birds because he needs because he's learning that there's something that's relying on him to do something so they can survive. You need to I teach him that like yeah, but if he didn't do this, they'd be so thirsty. You know what happens when they get thirsty? <laughs> they fucking die, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you want to bury this chicken?
0: <laughs> I, I'm not. Those are important right. lessons. It, What you're saying makes sense. I'm. I don't think you're crazy anymore. Thank you. And Justin, I also be nice to Justin for the love of shit. (laughs) Thank
3: you. I'm not going to get anymore for this. But then the egg comes, guys. All of that, and we haven't even. They haven't even given us a fucking gift yet. And then these babies start giving you blue and green and speckled and different color and size eggs every day. And now you got something that is that is giving nutrition and nutrient and life that is a day-old fresh egg to my baby girl and my son and my wife and me, right? That's, that is the shit. There is no more fulfilling feeling than that. To, to to And like, yo, I I got you. You were in my hand. You came out of an egg a day before I got you. And thank you, Cheeks, for giving me this beautiful olive green egg. Cheeks is my favorite. She's my olive egger. Right, or thank you Holly Flax for this little brown bantam egg. Just right? or thank you Kelly Rajanaganda Kapoor for your brown egg.
0: <laughs> Do all the eggs taste clearly in office? Bro. No, no, they just look different. Don't the you eggs see look things-
3: different, and then the, you know, uh, like you know, even my smallest eggs, the yolks are still probably bigger than like the biggest supermarket yolk you're gonna get. You know and then they just taste so good like, and you were saying that too yeah,
1: the duck, just the
3: duck yolks are oh good. duck yolks just they just dude it tastes like a chicken egg this just bigger and yeah. richer It's <laughs> so like bonus egg it's like yeah it's like it's bonus, bonus egg.
1: egg it's like when you get the double yolk
3: they should even the call it, oh double it, double yolks <laughs> means happy birds right oh my god when i got my first double yolk i was downstairs right we have this stool out of context. This
0: story could sound crazy. <laughs> <Continue>. yeah, <right? laughs>
3: I get, I got, I got this, like this, uh, Ikea stool that Poppy, uh, he retrofitted into like a safe stool that my son can stand up in. Closes behind him and he stands up with me at the stove and we cook breakfast, you know, whatever we do we, we at the counter. He loves cooking. The kid can't believe it. And, uh, we're cracking eggs, he loves cracking eggs. One, two, and we crack the egg, and we cracked one, and one of them had two yolks in it. And when, when you get an egg with two yolks in it, they say it's because it's a, it's a happy bird. You know, it's a healthy, happy, ha- but happy, extra happy. So I crack it, and there's two yolks. And I'm like, babe, babe, the girls are so fucking happy.
4: So there's two yolks. We got a double yolk.
3: And she's like, yo, dude, you got to chill with this shit. So, like, it's a really amazing feeling, man, getting that first egg after it. I don't want to call it hard work because having chickens is not hard work. People need to get that out of their head. But it is, you know, effort, a lot of it, right, and care. It's To get that first egg is really special. Yeah. I'll stop talking about chickens now.
0: I'm not mad. I'm I'm not mad. That's the not only the chicken I, I like to eat
3: now too is just cutlets. I'm not I've never really liked eating chicken. When you're a cook, when you're a young cook and like, you know, the first you get thrown your first fifty cases of chicken to break down and clean, you know, and like you go into that bag and it probably wasn't beautiful, Bell and Evans, air chilled no. birds, right? <laughs> not or something from the Amish farms no. with the heads and the feet up. We weren't getting that, right? And it's, you know, it's sitting essentially in a swimming pool of its own gook. And you get in there and you start cleaning chicken. You learn how to clean chicken. And you're skeeved down as a young cook for, like, you know, the first case or two. And then after a few days, like, you know, you're numb to the whole shit. And you're hammering through birds. You're hammering through birds. I never got past the point at how much I hated fucking raw, cold, slimy chicken hated it and then like you know when you're eating like chicken somewhere at a restaurant and like i call it you get like i call it the landmine you get the fucking landmine of like something chewy that chewy unpleasant whatever cartilage whatever it is like something about that (laughs) hits me so deep in my soul that my whole life anytime i was eating chicken it was like 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 walking through a landmine, not trying to eat one of those fucking things, right? And then I get the my girls, and I'm still normal the way I've been eating chicken my whole life. And then one day I was just like, I fucking hate eating chicken. <laughs> I'm gonna stop. Like, and I, I, I kind of like, I stopped hardcore for a while. I wouldn't even have like chicken broth because I just really like, I don't know, like I really love my chickens, and, and it's so it really skeeved chicken out to me. And, but I'm now I'm good with broth and chicken cutlets pretty much you just
0: it. actually inadvertently told us why the chicken cutlet at fortina is ground chicken cutlet <laughs> yeah, instead of it actually just being a chicken cutlet It'll spread. Limit it well, and makes even, sense it,
3: even in there you can listen bro you can i've and even then I've still hit a landmine. And I think it's even worse in that situation. To be completely honest with you, I just one piece that didn't break down. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it made it right through. (laughs) No, not me. I gotta find. And the one person out of the thousands of people (laughs) are gonna eat this batch is gonna be Christian. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I got a weird thing with chicken. I always and that's like people like, oh, you got chickens? Not you don't eat chicken? (laughs) All right, (laughs) that's Howard. We're (laughs) doing Howard Stern. Uh, no, I just never really liked it. And then, like, getting chickens actually just uh, solidified the fact that, like, yeah, you know what? I don't like eating you guys. I'd rather just snuggle you, Phyllis. Sweet Phyllis. Today I'm at the sink in the kitchen. I look out. And I... And, uh, I guess all the birds were still in the coop except for Sweet Phyllis and that little girl was just like walking around, like, <laughs> and she's like the size of your microphone, bro. I swear to God, she looks like and is the size of your actual your picture. Like a, it's a
0: six six inches tall and about like a three inch diameter. Like That's it. it. That's Phyllis,
3: dude. That is hundred percent Phyllis. I'm going to show you a, a picture of this angel. Um, you're you're gonna took. have to
0: forward those off to us so we can. No, no, these all that. need to go up because Waiting you guys. prize Instagram account there.
3: Yeah, you're gonna have to. You need to post this one specific picture. Just so it makes sense. That of everybody my, listening in. look at this sweet angel. Look at her <laughs> Come on, guys. That's amazing. She's an angel. <laughs> oh, look it. at her. I can just kiss that face yeah, only, a, only a face a father can love. Yeah, look at <laughs> that. Oh God, I love her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that that's Kelly and and, uh, and Meredith. You know. <laughs> so like, it's 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 all good. You know, it's good stuff. I love it. So the kids learn something, and I get a little something out of it so
0: uh, this is what we have people we've got christian petroni in here talking a little bit fortina we got uh, food network talks and we got talks about chickens and if any of you guys actually have a chicken coop then send your pictures of your chicken in and we're putting these chickens all over the place all right yeah we'd
3: love to see them and tell us like why you love your chickens and seriously and how they 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 help you. you you i swear to god guys ct chicken chatter if you're um, in Connecticut and, and you're uh, in the chicken world or you own a couple of you're chickens. I'm talking to Just, don't look at me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go on a, a CT chicken chatter, but it's really amazing. It's really, really great because there's a lot of people out there that I feel like are similar to me, right? But like, I, they really care about their chickens. And and it's really cool to see that community that, like, I swear, guys, I th- you're talking to somebody who went to, I went to my dad. You know, when we still lived in our house in the Bronx, which were all the houses that were, like, connected, you know, there was no way to really get to your backyard unless you can right. Spider-Man that shit over the roof, right? So, like, you're talking to the person that was literally begging for chickens to go in the the five-foot by four-foot patch of grass we had in our backyard for years. I always wanted them, right? This is a long time coming. So this was a long time coming. So to see that it's, like, you know... there's people that are like the same way that i love my cats that we adopted these two kittens that are such a trip right like it's just great to see people that are passionate about you know things that are similar to yours and something that is so new to me i feel very lucky
0: i saw these photos of the the kittens i actually just got on board with one too right now he's hiding underneath the couch a couple floors below he's not adapted to being out here and he's shy and like that's it and you just have to have these patience and yeah it's an animal so don't think that I'm just like anti all animals. No, but you're not, not, I I you, chicken, you, you, you know, I think I can see
3: your, your your total face as absolutely your aura and your your face has changed in the way you talk about what we were just talking about ten minutes ago to now. I swear to God, look, <laughs> you, you, he's got the face of someone who feels silly, and I don't want him to feel silly. But look at his face; he feels very silly about the whole thing now because yeah. he came in so hot on fucking talking shit about birds. No, I'm kidding. But, you know, I mean it. Like, you, you definitely, sometimes you just need somebody to break it down. I need to talk out loud. Can we get him out of here? Yeah. <laughs> oh, listen. All right, bring me some more. No, I'm
0: kidding. <laughs> Christian, tell, tell them when the documentary is about to hit.
3: Yeah, guys, the documentary uh, hits on December 27th on Food Network. That's it's a good a two hol- hour that's a special. Special. It's a two-hour special. What's that? Ho-
0: it's a holiday
2: special.
3: Oh yeah! Oh yeah! It's a real—it's a real feel good sort of <laughs> tearjerker. No, no. It's uh its no, but it, it, it is feel good because it it'll show you that you know whether you're um, a famous chef or you got a, a pizza slice joint or a deli or a trattoria or a burger joint or a sushi restaurant or a food truck or whatever it is. It, everybody's really in this together this thing has been the great equalizer. So just you know to be able to be able to tell our story along with Marcus Antonia and Manit is uh, is is such an honor because it really feels like we we um, were able to be a little bit of a representative voice for a lot of us that that don't have. Have the platform to do so, and 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 that's really you know was very important to me. In the documentary, was to was to go see a lot of my friends as well, and not make it about me, and to go and, and make sure that we try to show as many people, you know, what we were and what we are all going through. So I felt you know really lucky to be able to do that. I'm really happy that you know you guys are going to be able to see that. I'm happy that my kids will be able to see it. You know, a hundred years from now, and their kids. You know, um, it's really wild. And what hopefully will come from this documentary is going to be the beginning of a beautiful whole new chapter. So I really appreciate you guys giving me a shot. You know, to talk about it here, Uh, even though this guy doesn't like fucking chickens. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) What's your cat's name?
0: No name yet. We want personality first before you really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Smart,
3: smart. Toby and Frankie, dude. Uh, I'm not to- naming a Toby. Or <laughs>
0: All right, good, perfect.
3: My Toby, uh, he's the boy cat. And were brother and sister are found under a deck. And Toby, uh, I call him Tobias or Toblerone for long. Uh, Mr. Larone as well. He's, like, it's getting a cat and getting, like, cats that open up and have the right sort of, like, or just that are funny is, like, such a pleasure. And then his sister, Frankie... Also known as Franklin Delano Roosevelt, and not until that nickname did I that I realized that Franklin's middle name was pronounced Delano. I was calling her Delano, <laughs> so now her new nickname is Delano. So I'm like, come here, Delano, are you sweet mama girl. So, and these cats, like, yo, Briar's one years old, and like, he, she's literally like picks them up and like manhandles them, and they are just. Have the sweetest disposition ever, and like to think that like these babies, these sweet babies, were like under a deck. Their mother was a was a, a feral stray abandoned, and we look at them now, like as they're lounging like on the couch, and we're like, "You fucking motherfuckers! You guys were under a deck. Look at you, like highfalutin. You think you're hot stuff? And then, believe it or not." Uh, somebody found me on Instagram And she said well, I'm the person that found Your cats under the deck And she sent me a video Of them when they were found So that kind of brought The whole thing together Full circle uh, Yeah we love animals dude Can't wait to get a dog
0: Yeah no The, the things that you're saying Make sense with the cats And I think the, the ones That you find though Out there They understand how fortunate They are to have been
1: rescued And those are the ones That become the best cats ours, oh, ours we yeah. rescued She brings gifts now
3: those, nice, are, different, those like, are different gifts she's,
1: she goes outside all day and then comes home at night and sometimes she'll bring a nice gift to the kitchen door
3: that bird or yeah, something yeah. something like
1: that i like, like need this i got dinner
3: cats are a trip man cats are such a trip
0: nooms can we go i got shit to do yeah guys don't all forget guys. to smash
2: that like and subscribe button because you know algorithms Fuck off everybody